as you close your eyes, how many of you found yourself drifting? Anybody ever experienced what drifting is like? Well, I want you to know, it might be on a lake. It might be on a stream. The reality is here. Let me just tell you, there is a human tendency in all of us, if we're not careful, to drift away from the Lord. To drift means to be carried away slowly by the current of the world. There's a gradual strain. And if we don't be vigilant, if we're not uh, alert, if we're not careful, then we can find ourselves gradually drifting. When we read the Bible, we see that all through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, that this was the tendency. When we read about the children of Israel, there was a, a, always a tendency, no matter how much God did in their lives, no matter how much God blessed them, there was a gradual tendency to tend to drift and stray away from the Lord. And so God would often have to raise up prophets to say, return to the Lord, and I'll return to you. Because there is, in all of us, there is a human tendency to drift. We see the example in the book of Zechariah. God told the children of Israel, therefore tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says, return to me, declares the Lord, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty in Zechariah chapter 1 verses 2. You know, I believe that that is the state of where we are as a nation. You know, in times of great prosperity, in times of great abundance, the reality is we forget the God who blessed us. God warned the children of Israel over and over. Listen, I'm going to bring you in a good land, a land that's flowing it with milk and honey. You're going to live in houses you didn't build. You're going to drink from wells that you did not dig. You're going to eat from fruit trees that you did not plant. But he goes on to talk about, he said, but, but beware that when you've come in the land that you do not forget the Lord your God. How many know there is a human tendency in all of us that if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves drifting, especially when, we've been, when God has blessed us. We can sometimes get so caught up in the blessing that we sometimes forget to press in and give God the thanks who blessed us with what he's done. And so I want to talk to you about how do we return to the Lord because I, I, I believe that, that across the board, when we look at where we are as a church today, I believe that we have drifted away from the Lord. I believe that, that it's been subtle, it's been sometimes silent, but I, I believe that we've been caught up in the current of the world and we find ourselves sometimes away from God. Uh, we've lost our passion. We've lost our desperation. We've lost our hunger for the things of God. And I believe as never before, God is calling us to return to him. So how do we return to the Lord? The first thing that has to happen if you and I are going to return to the Lord, we must acknowledge that we have drifted away. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1. We must pay careful attention, therefore, to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. Paul was writing to the Hebrew Christians in the book of Hebrews because though God had moved in their lives, though they had experienced a, such an amazing move of God, they were beginning to turn away from the very faith. And Paul was reminding them that they, and, and encouraging them not to drift away. I believe that in all of us, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves drifting we can find ourselves slowly, you know, because there is a constant 
pull of the world. I remember years ago, there was a prophetic, uh, a woman of God called Sister Peggy. We knew so well. And she called it the, the cross pull. There's always the pull of the world that's always pulling us away from the Lord. I, I read this morning in Romans chapter 12 in the, in the message Bible, it says, unlike the culture around you that's always dragging you down. I want you to know there is a culture that's constantly pulling at you, that's constantly dragging you, that's constantly wanting to pull us to conform to the world. Anybody beside me ever feel the pull of the world? You ever feel the world is ever pressing in, ever pulling you to conform to it? And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves one day that we've drifted away. It's like somebody who's in a boat uh, drifting on the Niagara River. I mean, you know, there's parts of the Niagara that's just so calm. It's just so placid. But how I many you know that the further you go down the Niagara, the current begins to move swifter. And listen, somebody can be saying, listen, do you realize there's a waterfall up ahead, but you're just laying in the boat. It's beautiful, sunny day because you're just drifting. And that's what drifting does. It's, it's that, that quiet, that, that silent time. But we don't realize that we're moving further and further away. But I'm here today to cry out, there's danger ahead. If you do not stop and turn, I want you to there's danger ahead. If you do not wake up and stop the drifting. And I believe that God is calling us. How do we know? Listen to me. There's signs of drifting. How do we know that we're drifting? Let me just tell you. One way we know that we're drifting is when we find ourselves neglecting or praying less and less. We begin to neglect the spiritual discipline. Paul said in, in, in uh, first, if you're not, if you're not in ourselves to be godly, he talks about, let me just say, if you're not, if you're not engaging in the spiritual disciplines of prayer, of reading God's word, of fasting, of, of, of engaging in, in others, of worshiping, I want you to know there's just a natural tendency that, listen, if we're not ever pressing in, we begin to drift. And I don't know about you, but I know that in these times of coronavirus, when, when that sometimes it's just been easier to stay at home than to come into the house of the Lord, sometimes when nobody there is holding you accountable, it's easy to find ourselves slowly, silently, just drifting. The first sign that we're drifting is when we find ourselves praying less rather than more. Here's another sign when we find ourselves, how do we know we're drifting? When we readily neglect the assembling and the worshiping together. Let me just tell you, Christian, Christianity by its very nature is a call to you and I to worship together, to assemble together, to, 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 to serve God together. Isolation is completely contrary to the Bible. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some. I want you to know that, let me just tell you, all over America, churches are, are responding. Whether it's virtual or in person, we see more and more Christians who was once engaged but slowly beginning to drift when we first started going streaming, we might have had hundreds and there may have been a thousand people watching. Also, but slowly over time, as time began to go away, now we see fewer and fewer people engaging. Fewer and fewer people. That's a sign that we're drifting. I want you to know that God is trying to wake up America. God is trying to get our attention. But we got to be honest with ourselves that we got to, we got to, we got to. 
be honest with ourselves and say, God, do we find ourselves, is it easier to stay in bed on Sunday morning than to get up and worship God? I want you to know, let me just tell you, habits are easily formed. When you've been out, when you hadn't been in church over three months and it's been easy to just tune in and, and watch it on you and while you lay in bed and just watch it on your screen, it gets easy because anybody beside me, it gets easy. And over time, you begin to develop a habit. And listen to me, it begins hard to get up and get in the house. It begins hard to get up and come to the house of God. And I want you to know that's how drifting happens. And all over America, millions of people are finding themselves, it's just as easy just to stay home rather than to come in the house. It's easy to just stay in bed and sleep late rather than get up. But look at the Bible and say, get up, come on. I'm speaking to those who are, if you're in your bed, get up this morning and get up and worship the Lord. Can I have an amen? I want you to know, listen. I'm telling you, we're living at a time where people have drifted. I, 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 I was calling various members. You know, I hadn't seen most of the members, so I was just calling various members and just checking on them. And you know what? What amazed me, I'm just it just amazed me at how many members say, oh, well, Pastor, you know, I'll be honest, I've just been so lazy. I've I just been wanting to, yeah, it's just been easy to stay at home. It's a sign, say drifting. Say drifting. Hundreds just, just, oh, it's just easy. Well, yeah, because sin is easy. God, you got the passivity, it's easy. Being indifferent is easy. But I want you to know, if you're going to press into God, you got to stir yourself. Can I have an amen? That's why you got to get up and say, listen, I get up whether, whether the church doors are closed. I'm going to get up and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad. I'm going to worship God. See, church is not a building. It's what you do. And I want you to know that when you are committed to pursuing and seeking after God, you're going to find a way to worship God. Can I have an amen? You're going to find a way to get with other believers and worship him. You can't stop a person who want to engage in the worship of God. But it requires a persistence. Paul said, I press. Say press. That's a, that's a, that's a word. It means exerting energy. It means giving effort. You, let me just tell you, if you notice, let me just tell you, that was a time, I remember I told the story one time, we were canoeing one time, and we were in a, a, a we, I ignored the sign that said, don't go beyond this point, but I went beyond that point. You know, anybody like me, you, you like, you like taking risks. But the reality is, when I went beyond that point, there was a reason, there was a warning sign. Because when it, beyond a certain point, the current began to get swifter. It began to pull you towards danger. And let me just tell you, I began to realize if I didn't start exerting some energy, if I didn't start paddling back, if I didn't start paddling out of the way, I was going to find myself shipwrecked. And that's what happens in many of our Christian lives. It requires that we exert energy. It requires that we, we, as Paul said, do not conform to the world. Do not let the world frame you in its, in its, push you in its mold. Do not let the world drag you down. You got to fight against the current of the world. Can I have an amen? Look at somebody and say, you got to fight. Come on, you got to resist the, another, uh, to resist the ever pull of the world. Another, a third reason how do I know I'm drifting? 
How do I know? How do you know if you're drifting this morning? Listen, here, here's one that we all deal with. When we become tolerant, did you all hear me? When we become tolerant of sin, not only in our lives, but in the lives of others. Rather than dealing radically with sin, we begin to compromise with sin. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, you must warn each other every day. Say every day. Christianity is not a weekend religion. It's a call. It's not for the National Guard. It's for the Army. It's for those who enli fully enlisted. It's not for a weekend warrior. I'm talking about it involves every day that we have to fight a good fight of faith. Again, Hebrews 13 says, you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. We all have a tendency, let me just tell you, what one generation tolerates, the next generation embraces and promotes. Did y'all hear me say that again? We can't blame this generation because I want to tell you, my kids remind me all the time. Let me, anytime I get critical of this young generation, he begins to say, Daddy, it ain't our, let me just tell you, it's what your generation tolerates, our generation embraces. If we don't like what we see, we got to point the finger at us. Let me give you an example in my own life. The other day I was just kind of, a few weeks ago, I was kind of just scrolling, the, scrolling through the television. You know, with, with all this isolation, it's easy to just kind of, sometimes you're tired, you want to see what's on the television. And I began to scroll through the television and something caught my eye. And I want you to know that the longer I begin to watch, I begin to get convicted. I say, no, I, I know I shouldn't be watching this, but it so look good. <laughs> how many know sin? I say, how many know sin looks good? Yeah. I mean, you know, sin is pleasurable. Yeah. Don't lie to tell children that sin ain't fun. Sin is fun. Yeah. Sin is always fun. Sin always looks good. Sin always is enticing. But the devil never shows you the backside of sin. He never shows you that more than you're willing to go. Cost you more than you. But the end is always destruction. Sin will always take you farther than you're willing to go. Cost you more than you're willing to pay. And keep you longer than you're willing to. Sin will always exact a price. And I found myself engaging in something that all of a sudden I was convicted by the Holy Spirit that I know that just months ago I would have never watched. That's when we know that we're drifting. When we begin to tolerate sin. We begin to laugh at sin. We begin to make light of sin. We begin to forget that it was sin that put Jesus on the cross. It was sin that caused him to have to die so that you and I might have a right to the tree of life. And we know we're drifting when we begin to tolerate, make light of. Not only sin in our own lives, but sin in the lives of others. We got a whole lot of that today in the body of Christ. In the name of in the, in the name of grace, there's so much that 
don't, they don't even preach on sin anymore. And that's why the church has gotten in the mess where we are today. When we look at the church, who would have ever thought, let me just say, did it even cross your mind for those that have been a believer? Do you ever, did you ever believe that we would live in a time like we're living in today? Do you know that right now they're passing laws? Let me just show you, once they open the door, just think of it. It was only in 2016, was it, that they declared that marriage could be between uh, a man and a woman. Now, listen to me. Hear me. I mean, between a woman and a, two men and two women. Now, hear me. Listen. If you're struggling with same-sex marriage, I love you. But I want you to know God created the male and female. I want you to know it is not the plan of God that you marry. A ma uh, if you're a woman, that you're in love with another woman or you're a man in love with another man. That's just the Bible. Say the Bible. Come on. I'm going to still preach the Bible. But I don't know, listen to you, let me just it's becoming, people begin to flinch when you preach the Bible. But there was an article in New York Times, listen to me, this past week, it was called, I, I, I might pronounce the word, it's called polyamorism. I think that's what it's called. It means being the, the right to have many lovers. And it was a picture of a man, and now he's fighting for the right to have more than one wife. And in the, his particular state, he got an elected official who's put, going to him to try to enact a law to say you could have more than one. How would y'all like me to have three or four wives? It got quiet in here. It's all over the news. We call we, they call it open marriage. I'm gonna call it Smith is in his whole life. His whole family is in a mess because they, of, of that foolishness. I'm gonna call it like it is. They're talking about, now listen, they're talking about an open marriage. Well, we don't mind it if you have a friend and I have a friend. Now they find themselves, now she cheated on him, and now all of a sudden uh, it's all over the news. Well, of course, if you say, listen, if you want you to begin to open the, your marriage to the devil, the devil's going to come in and destroy everything you have. Their children are confused. Their marriage is a mess because they've opened their lives to the devil. I'm going to call it what it is. I don't know if they know the Lord, but we need to pray that they'll know Jesus Christ. Can I have an Amen. That they'll get saved through this. Yes. Talking about sharing your wife with somebody else. Sharing your husband with someone. How crazy can we get? Yes. But that's where we are today in 2020. We've drifted away from God. I'm not talking about in the world. I'm talking about in the church. Yes. That this kind of preaching, people are saying, where did he get off with that? It's sad today that, that today if we dare to preach the Bible, we're seen as narrow-minded. We're seen as hateful. We're seen as bigoted. I want you to know that God says, but listen, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will abide. We got to stay focused and preach the word. Somebody say amen. I'm not talking about mean-spirited. I'm not talking about out of anger, but out of love. We got to tell people, let me just say, if you see me heading for a ditch, somebody holler and say, you're going the wrong way. And we got to speak to this generation that's going the wrong way. We got to let them know you're drifting. I'm speaking to some of you that say in your bed, you need to get out of your bed, take a shower, and wake up and say, God, forgive me for not getting up to worship you on the house on the Sunday morning and to worship God in the house of the Lord. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. It's subtle, y'all. It's subtle. The Bible says Jesus writing to the church at Revelation. See, it's not how you think of yourself. It's what Jesus say of you. Listen to what he says, Kenan. Revelations chapter 3, verses 15 and 17. 
I know all the things you do. They thought they were all right. Anybody, you know, it's not what you think of yourself, but you better ask what God think of you. And listen to what he said. I know all the things you do. Listen to what he said. You're neither hot nor cold. In other words, here's a church. They're not running around. They're not smoking dope. They're not doing all that. See, we often think of sin and we think, of, oh, adultery and, and uh, dope dealing and, and running around. No, no. Little lust, subtle sin is a little foxes, is a little greed, is a little lust, is a, li- is a little things we tolerate that we allow in our heart. This is what happened to this church. Jesus said, Bec- you're neither hot nor cold. If I were to ask you today, I want to ask you a question. Where are you today spiritually? Are you on fire for God? Do you have a burning passion for the things of God? I'm asking you. I'm asking you a question. Where are you today? Is your heart burning for, for Jesus? Are you excited about the Lord? Were you today? Or, or is your heart tender towards the things of God? Where are you today? What is your spiritual condition? Because sometimes we justify, well, you know, I'm not running around. I'm not cheating on my wife. I didn't cuss this week. And we sometimes justify, well, I'm not that bad. But listen what Jesus says. He says, you're neither hot nor cold. Listen to what Jesus said. Now hear me. You got to hear this. Ron, you got to hear this. Listen to what he said. I wish. Listen, do you hear me? Jesus, that this is not Pastor Neil. Jesus said, I wish you was either cold or hot. Put it up on the screen. Listen to what he said. I know all the things that you do. You're neither cold nor hot. But listen, I wish that you were one or the other. I like the way it says in the I wish you was either cold or hot. God doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He don't want us to be in the middle. He don't want us to just be drifting. Listen to what he said. I wish you was either cold or hot. Because, but listen, but because you need because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold. Listen to what he said. I will spit you out of my mouth. That convicts me. Does that convict you? Does that convict you? I want to ask you today, what is your spiritual condition? See, because we justify, well, you know, I, I, I'm okay. Well, I, I did read my Bible uh, twice this week, uh, and I, I did manage to pray. I'm, I'm not that bad. And, I, you know, no, God says, I want to know either you're hot or you're cold. Either you're ever Either you ever striving to be have a, a love and a passion for Jesus, or you're drifting. Every one of us have to fight the daily urge, the daily pull of the world to drift. I'm going to spit. He says, because you're neither hot nor cold, because you're lukewarm. Jesus said, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich. Now tell me if this is not American church. You say, I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched, 
you're miserable and you're poor and you're blind and you're naked. I wonder what we'd look like if God showed our true spiritual condition this morning. I'm speaking to me. I'm not preaching to nobody. I'm preaching to me. What would my life really look like if God showed the real, my real spiritual condition? Because I'm, you know, we put on a church face. Y'all know what I'm talking about. We put on a, a church act. We act sometimes, act one way when we're in church and another way when we're out of church. But I wonder, I wonder sometimes, what would we look like if God showed us who we really are? Verse 19, listen what God says. This, this is Jesus. This is Jesus speaking. Listen what he said. Put verse 19 up there. I like this. Read it out loud. Say, I correct and discipline everyone I love. So be diligent. Say, be diligent. Come on, say, be diligent. And turn from your indifference. You cannot be indifferent when it comes to the things of God. You got to either be pursuing after God or I want you to know you, 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 by default you're drifting. By default you're drifting away from God. You have to either be passionate or excited about the things of God or by default you're drifting away. Paul asked us to do this question. Listen to what he said in 2 Corinthians Chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. I'm reading out the message. By, listen to what he says. Test yourselves. Notice what he said. He didn't tell me to test Angela or test Didi or test Janice or test Brother Rod. No, he said, Neil, test yourself. Look at somebody say, you need to test yourself. Come on, look at somebody. You need to test yourself. It's so easy to look at where others are. No, you need to look at yourself. I like, test yourself. Listen, and make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift. Look at somebody say, don't drift. Come on, say it out. Say, don't drift. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves a regular checkup. Come on, say it. Give yourself a regular checkup. You need a firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay. You know how people say, oh, I think I'm in good health. I think I'm doing all right. That's like the person, you know, we take for granted, oh, I, I think I'm doing okay. And then you go to the doctor and he tell you, oh, you got sugar diabetes, you got high blood pressure, and your heart all clogged up. You thought you was all right. Because you can't see nothing, but how many know when the doctor did a checkup, he found that you wasn't all right. Likewise, we need Dr. Jesus. Come on. How many know we need the great physician to give us a checkup from the neck up? Come on, tell, look at somebody say, you need a checkup from the neck up. We need God to check us up. Listen. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. Look at somebody and say, you got to do something about it. This is for everybody in this room this morning. 
everybody, including the pastor and everybody, we need to, we need to test ourselves. God, come on, have I drifted? God, have I lost my fire? God, have I lost my desperation? God, have I lost my reliance on you? God, have I lost the hunger for the Holy Ghost? Come on, I want you to know, let me just tell you, most of the church world has settled into doubt and unbelief. They, they, they got more confidence in CNN and MSNBC than what God's Word said. Can I have an amen? Listen to what Jesus said we need to do about our condition. Test yourself. If you fail the test, do something about it. Listen to what he tells. If we're going to do something about it, we must genuinely repent. Come on, say repent. Come on, say repent. That's not a good word today. Say repent. Come on, look at somebody and say repent. Jesus preached repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist preached repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Peter preached on the day of Pentecost repent so that you might receive the Holy Ghost. We need to repent. What does repent mean? Repent means if you've been drifting, if you find yourself going that way, you got to turn around. Look at somebody and say, you got to turn around. That's why repent is a, is, a, is a New Testament word for return back to the Lord. Return to the Lord. How do we return to the Lord? Listen to what he said. Remember the height from which you've fallen. Revelations 2.5. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come and I will remove, remove your lampstand from its place. We got to look at how we've fallen. I want to say this clearly. Repentance is not simply being sorry. You got a whole lot of sorry folks, but don't change. I, people get people sorry because they get caught. People sorry because they get convicted. People sorry, but if you don't do nothing about it, you're just sorry. Listen to what he says. I'm reading at 2 Corinthians 7, verses 8 through 10. Paul writing to the church. Many of you know what happened. He wrote a letter because there was tolerating sin in the church. Such sin that wasn't even acceptable in the world. And Paul wrote a letter to rebuke them. Because he said, unless you deal with the sin in the house, a little leaven, a little sin begin to spread over the whole church. That's where we are as a nation. Because we don't deal with sin, now sin is acceptable in the church. Now if I preach against living right and you, pre you preach against, I'm sorry, you preach against sin and you preach the word of God, people think you're crazy. People think, well, where did he get off at that? Who do you think he is telling me about myself? Because nobody want to preach about sin anymore. Paul writing to the church, say, I am sorry that I sent you such a severe letter. This is a severe message, isn't it? He said, I'm sorry I sent you such a severe letter. But listen to me say, though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. But listen, verse 9. Now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurts you, but because the pain, say pain, because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. 
It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you were not harmed in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. Pain causes repentance. I had five children, four children. <laughs> Y'all thought I had one out of it. Y'all laughing. <laughs> I had four children. Four. That's four. My wife, this is four. Y'all see me on the news. Y'all watching me on so I got four children. Four, four children. <laughs> now hear me. How many of you realize everyone is different? Anybody, you parents, some of you parents can testify. Some of you got children, and all you got to do is look at them, and they correct their ways. But some of you, you know you got children that unless you give them some pain, they ain't going to change. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you can testify what I'm talking about. You know, there's some children, the only way they learn, they learn through pain. I look at some of my children, I say, listen, when, when are you going to learn? It's the only way you're going to learn is through pain. But that's the way some people are. And I want you to know, we got a heavenly father who loves us more than I could ever love you. And he realized that sometimes the only way we learn is through pain. God is merciful. I can tell you there was times in my life that God tried to get my attention. Neil, you're drifting. Neil, you're drifting. I didn't hear. He will send somebody to tell me, Neil, you are drifting. You don't know what you're talking about. Neil, you are drifting. How many knows God loves us so much? That he will continue to reach out. But you know what? When we do not take heed, sometimes he allows circumstances to get our attention. Things will begin to break. Neil, I'm trying to get your attention. Neil, you're drifting. But sometimes we still are dull by sin. We are hard of hearing. So you know what God has to do? God said, Neil, I talked to you. I sent others to talk to you. I allow circumstances to talk. But for whatever reason, I didn't get your attention. I got to allow one other. I got to bring pain in your life. And I'm telling you, pain is not fun. I remember clearly how God had to allow a very painful, painful situation in my life. Oh, I'm telling you, painful. The discipline of the Lord is not always fun. It's painful. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And every son who he sees, he scourgeth. He disciplines. He chastised. He said, when he's disciplined you, I'm not treating you like an like a, 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 a illegitimate. I'm treating you like a child. For what parent does not discipline his child. Y'all read it. I'm, I'm quoting Hebrews chapter 12. Let's just say, he said, but if you are without chastisement, you are not a son. Now he goes on to say, but no 
discipline is enjoyable. Anybody enjoyed getting whipped? Raise your hand if you like getting whipped. Solomon raised his hand. He, he was unique. <laughs> Boy, I tell you, my daddy was a barber and he had a razor strap. That wasn't too many times he had to use. But I want to tell you, when I, if, if he had to pull out that razor strap, I'm talking about I, I, fear from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I'm talking about, listen, I'm talking because I felt the pain before he even swung the bell. <laughs> but pain is not fun. God says in his word, no, no discipline, no chastisement. Is enjoyable but painful. But afterwards, say afterwards, it brings about the peaceable fruit of righteousness. You know why I'm committed to living holy? Because of pain. You know why I'm committed to loving my wife? Because of pain. You know why I'm committed to staying married? Because of pain. Pain will make you do those things. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Pain will make you walk right. Pain will, pain will make you spit right. Pain will make you talk right. Can I, somebody, thank God for pain. Somebody say amen for pain. Pain will make you want to live right. You hear me, young people? I want you to know that when God loves you, he disciplines you. And it's the discipline of God that brought about the change in my life. And I'm here to tell you that God loves us and he brings discipline so that we can change. As I prepare to close, let me just tell you. If you're here today, repentance means not just your sorrow, but it's a change of heart followed by a change of action. God told the, the prophet Joel, tell the people, return to me. Don't In fasting and weeping, don't just rend your heart Rend your garments. I like the way it says in the Message Bible. Listen, it, I, it, God is telling them, it's not too late. Look at somebody say, it's not too late. You know why I love the Lord? is because it's never too late with God. You know what? God loves us so much. Here was a nation that was backslidden away from God. But he was saying, it's not too late. It's not too late to turn. I believe it's not too late for America. I believe it's not too late for our nation. Come on. I believe that if we'll turn, God will come. Listen. He said, it's not too late. Come back. Come back. But let's just say, come back to me, but really mean it. Come with fasting, with weeping. Sorry for your sins. Change your life. Don't just change your clothes. We got a whole lot of people who will cry but go out and do the same thing. I've been a pastor for 25 years. I've been in the Lord 41 years. I've seen people get convicted, come to an altar, cry, crocodile tears, and go back and live in the same sinful condition they didn't repent they were sorry they are sorry they didn't change there was no real repentance closing this is not an easy message this is a message that God is speaking to the church today he's calling us to turn to turn he gives us the final word. We must, by faith, claim the promise of restoration. 
that if we turn to him, here's the good news about God. In, in Joel, listen what he said, even now, you know what he's saying? It's not, it's not too late. If you got breath, it's not too late. If you, can, if, you can, if you got up this morning, it's not too late. I'm so glad that it's not too late. That God, listen, this is the goodness of God. Joel said it this way. For God is gracious. He's compassionate. He's slow to anger. Do you all hear that? God is not like you and I. He's slow to anger. I don't know about you. Sometimes you cheer mess up and you're ready to jump on him in a minute. But God is not like that. He's slow to anger. He will give you time and time and time. He grants us grace. It's called the grace of God. He's compassionate, slow to anger. He relents from sending calamity. Who knows? He may turn and have pity. As I close, I believe God gave me a word for them. A word for our state, a word for our nation, a word for our church. God says, if we'll come and return to the Lord, He has torn us, but He will heal us. He has wounded us, but He will bind up our wounds. If you're here this morning and if that word's for you in any way, listen, if it's not for you, just say, well, Pastor, I'm on fire for God. I thank you. That was, but that wasn't for me this morning. But if that word's for you this morning, I want you to stand on your feet with me, and we're going to close in a word of prayer. I want to appeal to those of you that's watching, wherever you are, you might have found yourself.